Hello, and welcome to the Just In Stride podcast. I'm your host, Justin Pugliese. If you love endurance sports, you've definitely come to the right place. On this show, we'll talk to athletes, coaches, and professionals who can help us reach our true potential. Being a student of distance running for over 10 years and interviewing people in the sport for the last five, I've learned a ton, but there's always more to discover. Everyone has a story, and I know you'll resonate with each of our guests as we embark on this new journey together. Join us at home, on the road, or while you run. Together, we'll have some fun. So follow along on Instagram at JustinStridePod and your favorite podcast platform and prepare to be inspired. Come along for the ride with Just In Stride. This episode is presented by our friends at Exact Nutrition, a tasty and healthy way for you to fuel your body before, during, and after a solid training session. I can't leave the house without a few fruit bars in my pocket and they never make it back home. Exact is offering you 15% off your order when you use the code JUSTINSTRIDE. So head to exactnutrition.com and fuel your goals today. Ever wonder what it would be like to run a relay through the desert from LA to Las Vegas? How about doing it solo? Sounds crazy I know, but it actually exists at an annual event called the Speed Project. A race that has intrigued me for many years and one I would love to be part of someday. On today's episode of Justin Stride, I'll speak with the most recent first place solo finisher of TSP, self-coached ultra runner Lucy Scholz. She's no stranger to ultra running or challenging terrain, having completed six 100 milers, many 50 milers, and crewed in ultras for others too. Planning, determination, problem solving, execution, and community make up her recipe for success. And she's happy to share her knowledge with others, so you're in for a treat. Welcome to the show, Lucy. How are you? I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. I mean, we're getting this uh, show kicked off in the right way. Um, As I understand, it's your first podcast interview, which I'm shocked, but uh, hopefully not the last. (laughs) I'm excited and and I guess uh, we'll see how I do. (laughs) Maybe there'll be more. (laughs) This is the test. So, I mean, I'm a huge fan of like TSP in general. Um, never did it myself. That's the speed project. It's the ra- it's the race relay designed from LA to Las Vegas. You took it on solo. Like, why? I um, really like doing things that seem really hard and running from LA to Vegas uh, solo. Um, seemed like a really big challenge. Um, And then I also did it as a relay with my run crew from New Orleans in 2022, last year. And I followed along on this with the solo runners prior to us starting the relay. And then while I was running was sort of imagining the fact that a bunch of people did the whole thing by themselves and couldn't get out of my head the idea of trying it. Um, And so I did. Yeah. And was it everything you hoped and more? Yes, it was. It really exceeded all expectations. I think I went into it um, wanting to do something that was really hard, wanting to have a lot of fun doing it and wanting to be in a community of people that were also doing the same thing. And so I think I knew that I was bringing a crew of all women from New Orleans that was going to be that community for me. And I think what I was also surprised by was the real great community that I made with the other solo runners because 
we didn't see each other a ton on the course, you know, sort of a long way and there's not actually a route and we all went different ways. But uh, we got really connected before the race and then stayed connected during the race. I, I like sent exchange videos with a couple people literally like during the race. And then um, afterwards, it was just fun to get to celebrate the accomplishment with everyone. So I think doing it for the challenge and the fun and the community, that's that's really why I set out to do it. And, you know, all my expectations were exceeded in all of those things. Well, I looked like a blast from all the social. Your team did a great job. Are you originally from New Orleans as well? No, I grew up in Baltimore um, and then went to University of Virginia. I played um, club lacrosse there and started running marathons in college and then moved down to New Orleans after college and um, did Teach for America. So I was a teacher. I taught high school math for five years and got involved in running. I coached like a youth running program called Youth Run NOLA and kept running marathons. And then in 2017, I ran my first ultra and it's sort of been been going since then. So so can when you look back, can you say like that obvi- that running was an obvious thing for you or did that, I know, you know, you mentioned it came later, but was that something that that kind of developed over time? Yeah, I was always a really active kid and I played a ton of sports growing up. I played multiple sports every season and um, my biggest sports were field hockey, basketball and lacrosse. And then I um, and I I sort of just have always been really active, Um, but I really liked team sports. And so I never considered running as something that I would be interested in doing because it felt so from the outside so individual. And I now have an entirely different perspective on that. My like sort of tag, my like motto the whole time. Um, that I was running Speed Project was that running is a team sport and I have the best team. And so um, it's sort of funny to look back on my choices as a kid about how to spend my time and <laughs> say I didn't want to run because it wasn't a team sport and feel so differently now. Um, but then when I went off to college, club lacrosse at UVA was competitive and fun, but it wasn't the like same level of commitment, you know, multiple practices a day, every day. And so I picked up running as sort of a way to stay active and busy in college and um, I ran the Richmond Marathon every year, which was like a really just it's a lovely event and beautiful and close to where UVA is. And so um, that is sort of how I got started with running. And I just really enjoyed it. I, I don't think I had even ever run a half marathon before I signed up. I was like, I just, <laughs> I'm going to do this thing. Uh, just jumped sort of right into it. And um, my RA my first year happened to also be running the New York Marathon, which was like one week apart. So we got to train together. So it was great because I like had this person who was older than me who knew their way around Charlottesville and we got to run together and it was um, really helpful. And then I moved to New Orleans and became a teacher and teaching your first year, it's like very stressful um, and challenging. And I had signed up for the New York Marathon and that's in November. And I think I ran like 11 miles one time before it because I was so stressed out as a new teacher and just sort of <laughs> went up there and had fun. And it was certainly not my best marathon time, but it sort of solidified the fact that I wanted to continue running as a hobby um, into adulthood. And um, then I met my friend Jack, who has been running ultras for a really long time. And he was sort of like, you should try an ultra. You've run marathons. You should definitely try an ultra. And I was kind of like, no, that's too far. That's too much. Um, and then here we are years later, I've run wow, a number yeah. of them. So. 
And like the relationship with those marathons, like it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy feat for people to take on marathons. Like you said, like you never ran a half, but most people go from like, you know, I did a 5k, then I did a 10k, then they kind of gradually get up there. Like with like, you didn't get, clearly didn't get discouraged. You had some kind of natural ability for endurance. Like, is that something you could have ever kind of predicted? Um, I think, I think one of the things that my parents really made me believe when I was growing up was that like, I could do anything I put my mind to. And so, you know, I think that is really what happened here is that like, they really made me believe that about myself. And then um, I did a ton of work to prepare. So I like read all about how to train for a marathon. I read every book I could find. (laughs) I like made a training plan. I followed the training plan pretty, pretty well for a college kid. (laughs) Like I, I, I did a decent job. And so I think, um, those mindsets are something that like I, I just grew up hearing from my parents. If you believe you can do something, you can do anything you put your mind to. And if you put in the work, then you're going to be able to do that thing. Um, you know, it doesn't always apply. My dad used to joke like I could be Beyonce. And it's like that actually is not going to happen. But I can <laughs> run a marathon if I decide to run a marathon. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's how I that's how I got here. And it's definitely like my body is capable of doing a lot and that's certainly somewhat genetics, but it's also a lot of like hard work and planning and like making the decision to dedicate the time and the effort into like accomplishing or setting myself up to be successful in an endurance run, like an, a marathon or a, an ultra. Yeah. So like you, you're self-coach, like I understand that even till today, you know, for all that, like you, you gained all the knowledge to be able to train for it. Anything you look back on that was kind of like funny that you did that you would never do now? Like as we, as we learn about running and the do's and don'ts. Well, I think way back in college, I got um, two stress fractures in my hips, which is not advisable and, and sort of like there's nothing you can do about it, but just like not run. And like, also there's no like visible injury and like you can't like crutches don't really anyway. So I think that was a big (laughs) learning pretty early on that I need to just really listen to my body and that maybe like high mileage isn't like a great option for me, or I have to be really cautious about ramping up my mileage. And so I've sort of held on to that and relative to what a lot of other distance runners will run weekly. I've had pretty low mileage. I think building up to the speed project is the highest I've ever had in my life. And I had a bunch of like close to 70 mile weeks in December and January, but usually I hover like between 40 and 55 um, miles a week um, and then try to do things that are fun. Um, So like I played intramural basketball and uh, like a bunch of an adult basketball league. That was really fun. I, um, went skiing before the speed project and was like, I just can't fall, but otherwise like this is, <laughs> this is okay. I need to not get injured skiing before I, for this race. Um, and the other thing is that I, I run a summer camp. And so I live in Mississippi for six weeks outside. I live in a cabin that has no electricity and I'm on my feet from 6 a.m. to like 10.30 p.m. And I, I think time on your feet is another like sort of underrated way to train for ultras, just like being walking around. And so I think yeah. every, every summer I get that for a whole six weeks. And that is something that I really love and certainly contributes to my fitness. 
Yeah, it's crazy, you know, and and I think it's your your proof that that works, you know. For some people, like they always feel like they gotta run faster, they gotta do more mileage, they gotta, like even for me, like now building up for a marathon, I, I never quite feel like it's 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 enough, you know. But you know, you're right. All those other things, the cross training and all the, you know, even just walking, you know, keeping the body moving is also beneficial. I'd say, you know, so. Now your team, you know, like you, you referred to your team coming with you and having the best team and, you know, there's a lot of pressure that goes along with that. Like, was it, was it hard to select your team? Um, what did that kind of process look like? I loved, like, like I said, on your website, you know, solo TSP, Lucy, like it was so detailed and like you, you are a planner and, and we can talk about each stage of, of how you view ultras and stuff like that. But like, certainly the planning is a big part of that. Yeah. It started in August when I got into the speed project, I DM'd Nils and asked for the application and um, found out that I was accepted. And I reached out to two of the people who had done the relay with me the previous year because they sort of knew what they were signing up for. It's a little bit hard to explain to people what you're asking them to do unless they've done it because it's just like such an absurd concept. And so I knew at least the two of them would like know what what I was asking them to do. And and they really quickly agreed uh, to be on board. And then we sort of had a brief moment. Oh, did I lose? Okay. We sort of had a brief moment where we thought we might be the only people who would be willing to do this. And so we were like, could we pull it off with just the two, the three of us? And we thought maybe yes, but then we started to reach out to other people that we run with. Um, we're a part of a crew called the 504th and we run every Tuesday at seven in New Orleans from a different spot in the city. Um, it's been a great community and um, a great group to be a part of. And we also end up doing long runs on Saturdays. It's just, it's a good running community. So we started to ask other women in that community. And, you know, originally we had the idea of like, you know, anyone being on the team. And eventually we sort of came to the idea of doing it with an all female team as just a way to show what women are capable of. And uh, so we went with that. And as we sort of reached out to talk to people casually, it turned out there was like a bunch of interest and a lot of people wanted to go on this really fun adventure, uh, which I'm really flattered that people are willing to take <laughs> off, take off work and um, sort of like give up their lives for five days. Um, so it sort of happened a little bit organically where we were just talking to people that we spent time running with about if they would be interested and people said yes. And then, you know, I had like a budget and like a pretty detailed spreadsheet about what I thought it would cost and what time commitment it was and like what I was actually asking of them. And so people sort of weighed those that information and then made a decision. And we ended up with this exceptional team of um, nine crew members, including my wife, Maggie, who um, is all the, my ultimate supporter and just such a great crew person. And it was really special and they're the best and I couldn't have done it without them. Now, like what purpose did, did each person have a specific purpose within the team? Um, yeah. You know, it's it's also for you, you know, it's it's a big undertaking as the athlete, right? Mm -hmm. But then you got to kind of describe, I'm sure, how you need them to show up for you, you know? 
yeah, we did a ton of planning around this. So I wrote out like what I hope to be true at the finish line about my experience, about the team's experience, about the overall event. I like, and I was like, everyone read this. This is what I want to be true. And now we're going to like backwards <laughs> plan from this fictional moment that I've just written down for you. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, nine people's a lot. Yeah. I don't want nine people being in charge of something. You can't have nine captains of any, you know, that's, it's hard to pull that off. And so we, the way that we thought about it is that I wanted to have people that were really fresh and able to make decisions for me and that I wanted them to be able to run with me, keep me happy and also have fun. And I didn't want like a team of two people who were going to be just exhausted and dead by the end because that doesn't sound super fun for them. And so the idea was with this many people, we could split into smaller teams. And so um, we had basically two teams, two for the middle of the race, I didn't see half the group for like 16 hours at a time. And they like went, slept, took showers, had meals, like had a whole day, like <laughs> whole, whole experience without, without the running part of it. And that I think was a helpful because it sort of gave them a chance to get rejuvenated and reset and ready for what was next and finishing the race. And we talked a lot about like what it would be like when I would arrive to the RV after a 10 mile section. And we sort of played that out ahead of time. And so, you know, things that were always true is one person only would talk to me. I was like, I don't care which one of you it is, but one person is going to like ask me my questions or, or make sure I'm good or so that I'm not getting bombarded by questions. Uh, then they also had all my food options sort of laid out just like an aid station at an ultra. And I could say, Oh, I want this one. I want this one. Um, and then if it was a longer break, we just sat around and talked and they made me laugh and I like ate food or, or took a nap or whatever was planned for that break. But if it was a quick 10 minute turnaround, I was really talking to one person, getting what I needed. And then someone else was timing. You have four minutes left. You have three minutes left. You got to go. And then whoever was going to be running with me next was just getting themselves ready. And so it wasn't that we had everyone having different assignments. It was sort of like we knew that there were these roles every time I stopped and someone filled each of those roles and it sort of rotated through depending on who had just run, who was about to run, who was available, who was feeling fresh. Mm -hmm. And it worked really well. I think, you know, there's like, it's funny because there's so much that I don't know about what happened because I was like running either by myself or with one other person for 85 hours. And they were having <laughs> like a whole other set of experiences like in the <laughs> RV together. <laughs> and so they keep being like, oh, did you know that this happened? And I'm like, no, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have made for a hell of a documentary, I think, you know. Yeah, the, the probably. Yeah. 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 So what is what does Lucy need? I mean, I mean, I'm sure the fact that you've done, you know, a bunch of hundred milers, fifty milers, you've crewed, you've done TSB before, you kind of you kind of knew roughly what to expect, but what do you need like in this solo mission? Like what kind of food are you eating? What kind of rest do you need? Like all these things came to mind when like Cause you know, relay, it's just like, okay, next, 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 yeah. you know, but when you're, it's just you, you got to cover, cover the tracks, you know? Yeah. Um, well, the way I sort of approached it was that the first 100 miles, I was like, I can do this. Like I've done seven 100 mile races. Like I, like, I know what to expect. I was told my team, I'm probably going to throw up. <laughs> I'm going to be <laughs> nauseous at some point. I'm probably going to get a little sleepy, but like, if you make me laugh and if you, get give me a bunch of different options for food i'll be fine and so i um love bacon we had an air fryer we made bacon 
Um, I ate a lot of ramen noodles, I ate a lot of mashed potatoes, a lot of applesauce packets, like a small child's applesauce packets <laughs> that I just carried yeah. with me. Uh, gummies, fruit snacks. Um, I really like Jolly Ranchers. So that's sort of like that. Those are my staples, I would say. Um, and then I tried to eat some real, like I tried to eat a Chipotle burrito bowl, didn't settle very well. Yeah. I, I ate some French, I ate McDonald's French fries, um, a burger from McDonald's. I, I like, I can usually eat some real food. Um, and so really that first 100 miles, it was just move through, keep eating. I threw up twice, not surprising. And I felt better afterwards and it was okay. From there, I really didn't know what to expect. And so we sort of tried to plan for a lot of different scenarios. And so I thought I would need to sleep a bunch. I thought it was going to be 100 degrees because that's what it was last year. And it turned out that the high was 60 and the low was 40. And so I had planned to sleep from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. because I figured after a really hot day of running, I would want to like recharge. And then I also plan to sleep from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. The idea being if I can get myself through most of the night, I could take a little nap and wake up with the sunrise and like brush my teeth and feel like it's a new day and sort of trick your brain. And we did the night sleeping, um, but ended up cutting the afternoon nap after one, one nap that was not productive, not helpful, put me in a bad mood, wasn't good. <laughs> uh, because it wasn't hot and I just didn't need it. And so yeah. I would, every night I would take like a three hour, three and a half hour break and I would sleep for like two to two and a half or three hours of that. And then take about 30 minutes to like wake up, eat, get dressed. And that worked really well. And my crew was really great because when I would wake up, they would just like hand me food, so much food and just make me laugh. We were just all delirious and being silly. And so I was really worried mostly about like waking up after having run a hundred miles, 165 miles, 230 miles. And like, and it turned out not to be that bad because my crew made it really fun <laughs> to wake mm -hmm. up in the morning. Um, and I ended up not quite hitting the like 3am to 6am sleeping times, I basically would run until I was like sort of delirious or not running straight <laughs> and then be like, okay, it's time to sleep. So I think I went to sleep at midnight one night at like 10 PM another night. And I don't know, whatever around just in the evening times. So, but that worked well. I think I would do that plan again. It, okay. it was enough sleep and I was able to keep moving. Now, like, what was the was the goal just to finish this thing was the what were what were you thinking personally like how do you view running are you yeah. are you super competitive are you are you one that's just like ah let's just have a good time like get to the finish what what's you know you won that um, thing so I, i'm like really curious on the mindset there yeah totally i am a really competitive person but i but think mostly of myself i really just want to see what i'm capable of doing and and I think, um, try to do the best I can possibly do. And so I go into every race with three goals. So I have a, an A goal, a B goal, and a C goal. And that way, if something goes wrong, you know, these races are long, many things can go wrong. I don't ever sort of like feel defeated. So usually what it is, is, you know, a really hard time to hit 
a medium time and then finishing is almost always my seagull because in these ultras finishing is a massive accomplishment and so that's sort of how I approach all all ultras I always have three goals for this one I didn't really know what to expect but I was like all right, I'm just going to shoot my shot. So my A goal was the men's record. My B goal was the women's record. And my C goal was, was finishing specifically before sunset on Friday. I really didn't want to run through um, another night because I think running through night is really hard. And so that was the goal. The C goal was to finish before sunset on Friday. Um, and then I have a spreadsheet that lets me sort of pace out all the sections and the breaks and tells me the times. And so I paced out, you know, how fast do I have to run each of these sections. And it was really nice because I would get to my pacers and I would have my time at the RV and then we would take off running and I would say, okay, what pace do I have to run this section in? And I had like 16 minute miles and I was running 11s and 12s really like almost the whole time towards mm-hmm. the end slower, but it was really nice to be like, wow, on this 10 mile section, I'm actually like saving 50 minutes off because I'm running, you know, 11 minute mile instead of a 16 minute mile. And so uh, the sort of having the plan for the time and then actually like getting really granular on like how fast I need to run each section helped me break down the race and think about how I wanted to approach it. And it really wasn't necessarily about the other runners out there on the course. We're all accomplishing something incredible. We're all out here doing something that's so hard. And it was more just about like seeing what I could do the best that I could do. Um, it also is really fun to win. And I'm not going to say that I don't, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the fact that I won the race, uh, yeah. but I go into it with just a time goal based on my own, my own self. Yeah. And, and breaking it down in those sections, I'm sure really helps, especially on ultra side of things and to know like, Hey, I won this section or, you know, those are big, yeah you know, it's just going to boost your confidence. And then, you know, you take things from there. Cause I mean, with ultras, as I know, like, I mean, the most I've raised is, you know, 65. I can't imagine doing hundred. I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I know that it's so, you know, most of it's mental when you're getting into those, those high mileage yeah. situations. Did you kind of realize, when did you realize at what moment did you realize where you were in the race and that, you know, that was going to be how it was going to go down. Like, and I mean, I'm sure these things too, like they're not over till they're over, right? Like anything can happen, but totally. you know, there was some big names, uh, on the, on the starting line too, you know, um, ultra runners, uh, accomplished runners, some runners that have ran across uh, the U S <laughs> like, yeah. So, um, well, I, I sort of went out and was pretty determined to just stick to my plan uh, especially given the temptation when you're, it's 4am and you're at the start line to sort of take off sprinting. So my first sections were planned to be 11 minute miles, which is not actually my preferred running pace, but I was like, this is a long race. I'm going to run 11 minute miles. So everyone sort of disappeared ahead of me. And I just stuck to my little 11 minute miles. And I think through, um, the first day I was like really on pace almost exactly to what I had set out to be on pace. And then after that day, we started getting to these sections that I had set to be 15 minutes, 16 minute miles. And I just wasn't doing those, but I was feeling really good. And my crew was like, okay, you're feeling good. Like we'll run faster with you. And around when I was on the, um, there's a 51 mile section of Powerline road 
I think I was at around one, 180, maybe. I, I passed another solo runner who was about to take a rest or was taking a break or something. And we sort of realized that maybe Cole was the only person in front of me and he was going to do the 340 mile route. So even though he was in front of me a little bit, he was about to turn and go much longer than I was going. And so at that moment, I was sort of like, oh, maybe I am in the front. And I also was feeling really good. I wasn't nauseous. I was moving really well. I had one tiny blister on my toe and I had a blister on my hand from my poles, <laughs> but like my feet were in a good, in good shape. And so I think around there is when I realized, so oh, it's possible that I could, I could win this race. And that was pretty exciting, but I also was like, there's a lot of miles left. And, and that's always sort of in my mind. I, I, I've spent eight hours puking during a 100 mile race and, let me tell you, you got to go a lot slower when you're, when you're dealing with puke, puking great hours. And oh, so I, yeah. I didn't want to, I didn't want to get ahead of myself. And so I just tried to continue to stick to my break, my rest plan, take all my breaks, eat all my meals, and then run the paces that were comfortable without sort of burning myself out. Right. What goes into making that decision between the longer route and the shorter route? Why do some runners do that? I just, I was like, this is already a massive challenge that I've never done. I'm going to go out and take the most direct route. <laughs> and I think Cole wanted to see what it was like to run the 340 mile route, which is a really impressive feat to do. I'm sort of, I'm sort of now curious about it myself. So you might see me <laughs> on that three, you might see me on that 340 mile route next year. We'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. The, uh, both are. I think they're just different. One is along a power line road and off road and sort of more uncertain terrain. And then the other one is much longer by, you know, 50 miles about or 40 miles. Now, when you're like, you've done that much planning and you're trying to stick to the schedule, like how do you find the time to find those special moments and enjoy those moments? And does, does any one moment kind of stand out to you in, in just under 85 hours of racing? You know, it's, I think it's really hard because there's so much that was really special. And I think there were a ton of moments where I really felt like our planning was like being realized. And it was really, especially in the really hard moments where I wasn't feeling good or something wasn't going quite right, which were honestly pretty minimal. But in those moments when my crew responded the way that we had talked about, I, I just felt like really proud of the work that I put in and that they put in. And then all the, t like we had, I had shared, you know, when I'm feeling this way, here's what I hope you'll do. When this is happening, here's what I hope you'll do. And they took that all in and just responded perfectly in almost every circumstance. And so, um, you know, there was one moment where I came in after the 51 mile section. I haven't seen the RV in, in 16 hours. It's, it's hot. There's no shade. I'm pretty tired. I'm hungry. And I had told the pacer that I was with that I was feeling that way. And I get there and they've got a burger for me and every, they have all these different drinks lined up. And I sort of sit there and just get to decompress. And they're like getting the car ready for the next section. And one person comes over and checks in on me a couple of times, but I just got the time to sort of get my head right. And it was a moment that wasn't super fun. I wasn't feeling great. But it was exactly what we had talked about doing and, and 
it made me feel really proud and grateful for my crew. And so that's not like the best moment of the race, but it's a moment where I felt proud of the preparation and the planning. I think, I think the best moment of the race is just hard to, it's, it's not a single moment. It's just the, the adventure that I got to have with really fun people is not something that a lot of adults get to experience. How often do, you know, 10 adults travel in an RV for five days doing a crazy hard thing together and working to accomplish the same goal. I think that sort of big, bigger picture experience is what is the, the thing that's most special to me. Uh, has the depression come uh, after, after that? I uh, mean, a week? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's like sort of hard to go back to reality. And I think a lot about how like, I love my real life. I love living in New Orleans. I have, I love my job. I love, I have a great community here. And I got back and was like, man, I wish it was March again. I'm ready for speed project all over again. Uh, but I, you know, it'll be speed project soon enough. And there's lots of fun to be had and, and great experiences to be had in real life. Also, <laughs> does, does this version of the speed project top the other ones or are they just special for different reasons? I think this does top the other ones. The relay is really incredible and I would recommend that anyone who can do it should, should do it. It's a really, it's, I think it was a, at the time, very life-changing experience for me. And, uh, a reminder of the power of doing something hard together in a community and the powerful connections and relationships that you build doing that. I think that this simply maybe because it was longer, you know, we took something like 46 hours to do the relay and it took me 84 hours to run this or 85 hours. And so there's just more time to have more experiences to do, to have fun, to laugh with my crew and, um, there was never a moment where I wasn't like a part of the run, you know, in the relay, you're like sleeping for several hours resting and then you get up and run a section. And this, I was just like, well, I've run the whole thing. Mm -hmm. That's, that's crazy. And, and specifically like for personal reasons, like, you know, I read again on your website, I read a bunch of things like why you were, you know, why this was so special and why you run and, and, you know, you represent, you know, your, you represent the L, LBGTQ plus um, you you the community. You're un, you're unsponsored, self coached, all women team. Like, what kind of message does that send? Like, was that part of it too? Um, that you want to share a message with people and and uh, yeah, make your voice heard. Yeah, definitely. I think I. I think a lot about how grateful I am that I grew up with so many people supporting me, my parents, coaches of sports teams I was on, just made me really believe in my abilities as an athlete and my the value that I add to a team or a community. And I think I feel really lucky to have had that. And I hope that everyone finds that. I hope everyone has a group of nine women that believe that they can run from, from LA to Vegas. Um, and so I, I think I wanted to show people, young women, um, the power of finding the community that really believes in you and everyone deserves to find that community. And I think it can be hard to find as an adult, it's hard to make friends sometimes. And I think finding the community, a community that will be supportive of you and believe in you is really powerful. And so I hope that people read about this and find their people and 
realize the value in having people that believe in you and and also believing in yourself. I think there's no way that I finish this race if I don't believe that I can finish it, even if I've got a lot of people telling me I can finish it. And I think that belief comes from a lot of adults telling me if I put in hard work, I can do what I set out to do. And I want people to also hear that for themselves. And what was the feedback like? What was the response like to to this, you know, to like everything you guys were posting, the fact that you won, you know, did you get, uh, you know, positive feedback from people like within the race, but also, you know, via social media and stuff like that? Yeah, that was the sort of really fun, unexpected part for me. I'm, I like have Instagram, but I, I like, I'm not on a ton of social media and my team did a really good job of sharing what was happening in the story with, via Instagram. And I think it was really cool to, they would read me messages or, or pull, pull me aside when I was, you know, getting my water refilled and say like, look at this message from this person. Do you know who this is? And it was, it was really touching. It was, you know, people from Baltimore where I grew up, um, you know, my lacrosse coach sent, sent a message. It, it was people that I met when I was living in Boston briefly that I was running with. It was, um, strangers that I didn't know who were saying I'm following along and like, you're so inspiring. And I didn't really expect that. And it was really cool. Uh, and it was, you know, campers, parents of the camp that I, that I run saying, you know, my, my daughter's been following along on everything and and she's, she's so inspired. And I think that was really such a nice boost, uh, specifically like that along Las Vegas Boulevard going into the finish. It's a long, very straight, monotonous road, and <laughs> you're really ready to be done by then. And it was really cool to sort of along that road be getting these messages, especially so close to the finish um, from all over, from New Orleans, from Atlanta, from Baltimore, from New York, Boston, all sorts of places. Yeah. Um, and it was a huge boost, and I like am glad that the what I did inspired people, but also like all the love that they sent me helped me get to the finish line faster. And so I'm I'm just super grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. No, oh, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it gives you a boost, you know, like people you don't know reaching out, people you know reaching out, like that they're watching, they're following, and you know the the social media with TSP does such a great job too of updating people and the list and like wow okay like Lucy's like climbing the leaderboard I'm like you know there's some people like that I don't even know and and I'm following and I'm I'm catching what's going on and it's it's exciting and stuff like that so that's cool now look, and tell us about uh, the foundation tell us about the camp that you that you, you know, you run for, you know, you're raising money also in the process. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I read that. I thought that was amazing that you help kids, um, you, you know, camp is really important and uh, raising money for that cause. Yeah. I, I grew up going to summer camp in Virginia. It was a, like a life-changing experience for me. It's I think another place where I really acquired confidence in who I am and what I can contribute to a space or community. And, and so when I became a teacher, it was partially because I had such an exceptional experience at summer camp and wanted to be able to help other kids become confident and believe in themselves. And, and, um, when I was teaching, I I met my friend Jack, who I mentioned earlier, and he had this idea to start a summer camp for new Orleans kids and sort of to answer the question, what if 
um, the future leaders of New Orleans became friends at age nine at summer camp. And like many cities, New Orleans is can be really segregated. You might not meet a great kid if they go to a different school or a different church or play on a different sports team. And so you've got all these great kids in pockets of New Orleans that are never going to meet. And so Live Oak, the camp that we started, along with Caleb and Oski, um, seeks to, to get these kids connected and to put them in the wilderness, in the woods for um, two weeks in the summer. We run for six weeks total. And the idea is that you build connections at camp in a way that you might not otherwise, and you can become friends. It's a very equalizing experience. Everyone's away from home. Everyone's a little nervous. Everyone's learning something new for the first time. Everyone's doing things that are hard. And so that's been just the most fun. We've been around for nine years. This will be our ninth summer, and we'll have about 400 kids come this summer. We also run wilderness trips. And so what I was fundraising for is our wilderness trips go to um, teach kids about backpacking, how to camp, how to how to you know pitch a tent and build a fire. And they spend a week or 10 days out in the wilderness in either North Carolina, Tennessee, or Texas. And we take 15 passenger vans to go to those places. And we were we we're trying to buy our um, our own two 15 passenger vans. And so we were raising, mm-hmm. trying to raise $100,000. And I got $10,000 fundraised, a little bit more than 10000 during the speed project, which was awesome. And so we've hit our goal. We're going to buy some vans and appreciated the chance to share the story. And, and I think it was cool, the parallels that CLA paid for my RV so that I could have this great adventure with my friends. And then it was cool to be able to say to the community that was following, like, help kids have a great adventure by getting vans for these kids to have great adventures. Um, so that was that was great. Um, half of our kids come on a full scholarship and the other half pay tuition and, and sort of like a college tuition model. And so we are able to connect just awesome kids from all over New Orleans, no matter what their background or circumstances are, we don't want finances to be a barrier. And so being able to buy these vans is going to make a huge difference. We're going to be able to give more scholarships to kids, get more kids out in the woods. So, yeah, that's incredible. That's very, very, very special. Like good on you for doing that. Like, I mean, between the ultra running, the the camp, the fundraising, the train, you know, work, like how do you balance all this stuff? Um, I try to be as efficient as possible in everything that I do. (laughs) And so uh, I do a lot of really early morning running or, and I just fit it in where I can. And the other thing that's lucky about this is I love everything that I do. And so it doesn't feel like work. I, I run this camp with my best friends. And so it's a lot of times I just feel like I'm having fun, even though I'm also working. And I do a lot of my running with friends also. And that makes it feel super fun and a lot, you know, not like a burden. Um, but I've always been someone who has a lot of things happening at once. And so I think I've spent my whole life managing a complicated schedule and, and fitting things in where I can. And I, I wouldn't, I don't, wouldn't really want it any other way. I think I, when I don't, when I have too much free time, I sort of feel lost. And so I try to stay busy. It's pretty easy. I got a lot happening. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have any tips for people who struggle maybe with a schedule, maybe who have, you know, uh, lots going on, maybe kids, like how to get the training in or um, how to, you know, balance those things? Yeah, I think 
I think really using a calendar and I, a lot of times will like literally block off, like, this is when I'm going to do the run rather than just having like run seven miles on my calendar. I like block off the actual time. I also think just over communicating with the people in your family. So I talk with my wife a lot about what is happening every week, just so that there's that clear expectation, clear understanding, because it is a big time commitment, but she also sees how happy it makes me and therefore wants to make it work. And I also want her to be happy. And so what that means is being clear about when I might be running or how long I have to run. Um, Early morning, getting it out of the way. And I think the other thing that I've gotten better at is as I've gotten better at running long distances, I no longer am totally dead after like a 20 miler on a Saturday. I I can like go about my day and like do activities that are fun. Um, I think sometimes people don't take into account you know, if you're going to run 20 miles on a Saturday, but then you're going to be asleep for half the day because you're tired, you got to you gotta sort of account for that in the schedule. Um, yeah, so I think like using a calendar really well and being honest with yourself about how long it actually takes to do the run. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just a quick seven miles. You got to like think about the time to get ready for it, the time to shower afterwards and, um, and, and then yeah. just clear, communi- clear communication, transparency with, with the people you love. I think my favorite my my favorite words are like oh it's it's gonna take like two seconds, <laughs> you know? yeah. just real quick. Like, I'm just gonna go for a real quick run. It's like that's not yeah. that's not how that works. It's it's a lie. It's such a lie. Yeah, I know. And does does your wife run also? Um, she she runs. It's not her hobby. We do Orange Theory together, and that's that's yeah. really been fun because it's sort of. Um, She'll, she crushes me on the weight floor, like is lifting triple what I'm lifting. <laughs> and um, in the rowing, when we do the rowing, the sprints, she just destroys me. And then I, I have her on the endurance rowing and the treadmill. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's something we share. Um, she's run a bunch of half marathons and, um, but has a lot of other interests. And so sort of supports me a ton and um, paced me for a for a bunch of miles of the speed project, I think about 15 miles. Um, but running is a little, is like my hobby and she is supportive of it in the best way. Yeah. That's yeah. And that, that it's important. It's, it's makes it easier on the, on, on you, you know, like I'm, I'm the runner in, in our family and it makes it so much easier. You don't feel guilty to do it. You know, like you say, if you mm-hmm. communicate things properly and they understand your goals, like that's uh that's a big thing too. So what so what else do you do when you're not running? When I'm not running, um, I work on the summer camp. Um, yeah. I also do a bunch of like data and analytics projects. So that's like where I really love spreadsheets for, for work purposes. And then I also bring that into my running. Um, I love being outside, really any reason to be outside. So running is a great reason to be outside, but I'll, any excuse to be outside, whether it's just like sitting or on a walk. Um, and then in New Orleans, there's just so much good live music. And so I really, I love, I love live music. Jazz Fest is coming up. It's one of my favorite weeks in New Orleans. Um, it's two weekends long. And the, the spring festival season is, is just the best. And so it's a time to be outside with friends and listen to live music. And I really, really love that. Yeah, I've actually been to New Orleans uh, years ago, and I I love music too. So it was a it was a very cool experience. Um, my dietary um, restrictions have changed since then, so you know I got into the seafood and stuff, but no more for me. 
but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. So I gotta ask, after something like the speed project happens, like what? How do you top that? Like, is that how you think, or it's just like how do you choose the next goal? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think I'm trying to. I work really hard to try to balance the other aspects of my life, I think, to the question you just asked. And so I would do things differently if I had no other obligations. You know, I'd I'd probably be like running every weekend and doing crazy adventures. But I also really value my my wife and and my camp job and and sort of the other aspects of my life. And so I think what I've started to build my my race calendar and I'm excited about it. But I think the the next the biggest next thing is I, I'm, I would hope to go back to Speed Project next year and and run it solo again um, and see what see what I can accomplish um, with a year of experience under my belt. And then I am hoping to get a PR in a 100 mile distance. So right now my PR is a 2150. I'd love to go sub 20, maybe even faster. We'll see. I'll have my A goal, my B goal, and my C goal, and we'll work towards towards one of them. Um, And then I'm definitely interested in hopefully getting into some of the 200-mile-plus races out there. They're just expensive and full and already registered. Like, you know, they're this fall. So maybe next fall I'll I'll hit one of those. I was supposed to run the Tahoe 200, but got canceled for COVID and wildfires and sort of now can't do it. Um, So... Speed project, 100 mile PR, and a 200 mile race at some point is what I'm looking forward to next. That's crazy. Is it like, is it the type of event that excites you, or is it the the more distance? What's uh, mm. kind of your your sweet spot? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's mostly about a challenge that I've not yet tried, and so. Um, you know, I'm thinking about maybe doing the 340 mile route next year at Speed Project, or with the 100 mile races. Trying to PR is always something I'm trying to do. Not necessarily like because I care about the ranking or the place I get in the race, but just because I want to keep getting better. Um, and so I think it's really about that—the challenge and always getting better. And do like races, the big, the big races excite you too? Like the Western States, the UTMB. I like, mean, like... yeah, I got, I didn't get into Leadville. I didn't get into hard rock. I didn't get into Western States. And so I'm going to put my name in every year and maybe I'll get in. Um, but I'm definitely interested in those. And I also love a really small race. You know, there's a, there's some great races in Louisiana that are tiny or Mississippi that are tiny. And there's something really special about the community there where I like have, you know, met the race director a couple times, or you see the same people at the starting line every year. And yeah, it's really cool to be able to do those big races, but they're hard to get into and they're expensive. And I love a community feeling of a race. And so I think while I'm, while I'll continue to try to get into those big name races, I'm also so happy to run tiny little obscure races. I think they're so fun. Does the, um, the self-coaching continue? Do you feel like this is something that just works for you or does it pique your curiosity to say like, I know for me, like you get to a certain point and you're like, well, maybe if I have a coach, then my limits change a bit. Maybe the training changes a little and I can exceed even more. Does that, does that pique your curiosity at all? Yeah, it really does. 
And my schedule just becomes so funny because it's festival season in New Orleans. And so that is a priority. I'm glad that this is a, an appropriate time. I'm recovering from. Sweet <laughs> but, um, and so my running just looks different in the spring because I'll try to fit in things during the week and I want to enjoy music on the weekends. And um, so it just looks a little different. And then in the summer, I, from mid June, all of July, I'm just sort of on call at all times. And so I just squeeze in runs when I can. It might be 1 p.m. It might be 6 a.m. It might be that I can get six miles in. It might be that I can get two miles in. And so because of the nature of what it means to run a summer camp and, and just sort of have to be really flexible and responsive to whatever is happening, um, that, it, that it makes it appealing for me to just self coach because I can adapt and, and take a look and, and say, well, yesterday I ran this. So today I'm going to try to fit this in, but if I can't, you know, um, and then, you know, I think I, I've considered having a coach in the past. It's definitely something that I'm interested in. I also feel like I, I've been, I feel like I've got a pretty good thing going where I, I use a lot of resources. I talk to a lot of people. I read race reports. I read about building training plans and I think after having stress fractures in college, I, I also feel like I really know how to respond to my body and know how to say, oh, like this hurts. So actually like let's move these runs to different days and let's do cross training instead. And so I don't I don't know that I'll get a coach. It is definitely something that's interesting to me, but I like the flexibility and I like being able to sort of figure it out myself. It feels like a puzzle. Mm -hmm that I enjoy. Yeah, totally. And, but you know, it helps you to be flexible with your schedule, which is the most important thing without adding stress to your own, your own life. And so you can keep the enjoyment part of it. Um, you mentioned like listening to your body and I think that's something a lot of runners should do more. Um, a lot of times we have big races coming up and then we want to push through and what's some other advice you can give to, uh, runners out there either looking to move to ultra or a different distance? I think everyone's different. And so you got to figure out what works for you and what works for the person next to you might not be what you need to do. And so I think my, my approach to most things is to read as much as I can about it and then do some thinking about how the information I got applies to me and talk with people that are experienced or know me really well and sort of make a decision from there. I think that's what I would suggest if you're thinking about trying something new is, is sort of gather the information and then think about what you know about yourself and see how it might apply to you. And then the other advice I'd have is, is find people that are also interested in what you're trying to do, because I think doing things with other people is, is, more fun and I think can make sure that you're going to, I guess, increase the likelihood that you're successful because you're, you've got people to hold you accountable or to help you think through things when, when, when stuff feels hard, you can talk with them. They're going through something similar. Maybe they're in a tough training block or they're, you know, trying to take on their first ultra and feeling nervous. Also, I think having that sort of community around you can be really helpful. And I, um, I think that, that that is something that's been really important for me. And I, I read on your website also that you have you have a few models too that that you like to use when 
maybe times are getting tough in, in training or in, in races. You want to share a few of those? Yeah, I think I, I don't remember. Ex- I'll, I'll share. Yes. So I, I think a lot about <laughs> um, one of them, maybe it's the one on my website, but is that I like to do hard things. And so I like repeat that over and over again. I like, like because it's true, but it's easy. I also read somewhere that if you're smiling, your body like releases, um, you know, chemicals or your brain or whatever. And so a lot of times if some, something is unpleasant or uncomfortable when I'm running, I just try to smile and, and just imagine that I'm like becoming happy because I'm smiling. Sabrina Little is an ultra runner who is also a philosopher and she ran Rocky Raccoon a bunch. She like used to live in Texas and I have run that race five times. And so I, I read a bunch of her blogs. Um, and I think one of them, she wrote something about being brave, not perfect. And I think that that is another one that I think about a lot um, because it, when things go wrong, it's easy to be easy to say, oh, well, like I'm out. But instead, I think being brave is like pushing through the imperfection and continuing on. Um, I hope I'm attributing that correctly. I think it was her. So we'll just, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And you shared some examples too, um, like from races and stuff that you've experienced where, you know, in ultras, you know, sometimes you get to run with your friends too, and it's such a long journey and you're not all going to handle it the same way. But like, I, I read a story that you, you had a, one of your friends that was kind of giving up and saying like, you know, I, I've done this too, where you're like, just go on without me kind of thing. Leave me. Yeah. <laughs> Leave me behind. But like just the encouragement and the con- consistency and the reminders help that person through, which is super interesting, which means that the mind maybe is much stronger than our bodies are. Yeah, totally. I think that you said it earlier, but so much about ultras at a certain point is literally just mental. You obviously have to have physical fitness to 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 move your body at a distance that that is this long, but so much of it is in your head. And so I think that's why it really matters how you talk to yourself and how who you surround yourself with. Um, and so I feel like I've been really lucky. I think my mindsets around ultras have been a big part of why I've been able to be successful. And then I've also surrounded myself, as I mentioned earlier, with people who believe in me and who are telling me, yes, you can do this. Um, and so I have run, I think we counted like 150 hours of races with my friend Jack side by side, which is like pretty crazy. But yeah. um, it's been really helpful to have someone like him who says like, keep going, you can do this. Or when I'm puking for eight hours is patiently walking next to me and just being so kind. Um, and so I think if you're getting into ultras, think about who, how you're, how you're talking about yourself in your own head and also who you're surrounding yourself with and find the people that are going to be really positive and then help you grapple with hard situations mm-hmm. and help you keep pushing through because so much of it is mental. Yeah. And be kind to yourself too, you know? Yeah. Like- you put the work in, you know, that you have, you know, it's a lot of, it's like this negative self-talk talk that we have to keep pushing away. So yeah, totally. How do you feel like running has impacted your life? Um, I think it's given me an outlet. I, I, I need to be able to move my body and sort of release energy and I have since I was a kid. And so it's been a great way to do that as an adult. So that's one piece. I think it's also given me a community of people who 
um, don't necessarily work in the same industry as me or have the same background as me, but we have this connection of running. Um, when I moved to Boston in 2019, uh, I was working remotely for people in New Orleans and was in Boston just to be with my, my, we were not yet married, but to basically convince Maggie to marry me. And (laughs) I moved there and she had already been there for two years. And I was like, I got to make some friends because I don't have work. All my work is in New Orleans and I live in a studio apartment and I I need to like meet some people. And so running was a great way for me to make adult friends in a brand new city where I had very few connections. And so I think the two biggest things it's given me are like an outlet for energy and then a great community of people and a, a way to make adult friendships. Yeah, totally. That's, that's incredible. And can you speak a little bit about the community in, in New Orleans, maybe one that doesn't get as recognized as yeah. in Boston? Well, it's um, the running community in New Orleans is so interesting because we like don't have a marathon anymore, except for one that two friends run called Legs and Dregs, which goes to all the breweries. Um, oh, nice. But ro- we used to have rock and roll, but they left. And so there's just not a lot of big races here. We just had the Crescent City Classic, which is an incredible 10K race. Um, but there is a great running community here. So I run with the 504th. It's a run crew that's a part of the Bridge the Gap movement. And there's run crews all over that are under the same idea. But the idea is that you can, you get connected with people, you run through different neighborhoods, you get to know your city, and you sort of bridge the gap between communities via running. And so it's been really a big part of my life um, since it started in 2017. Every Tuesday, you'll find me running with them. And it's been a great way to meet new people and to challenge myself. And I think a lot of people start running with us and then are then try a 10k or try a half marathon a bunch of people have run ultras now um and we've also had some really fun adventures together we have done the speed project we a bunch of people traveled to toronto for the toronto marathon with a bunch of other bridge the gap crews and so i it's been a really great community to build connections and to try new things and to challenge everyone's finding their own way to challenge themselves. Um, and then the other part of New Orleans running that I love is Youth Run NOLA, which is a nonprofit that I used to work for um, that helps kids get fall in love with running. And so they run like a 5k every month and they have the option to train for a half marathon. And so I've run, I, I ran probably five or six half marathons with a high school kid that I worked with and I think that's a really fun part of the New Orleans running community. Um, it's just helping expose kids to how communal and fun running can be. It's not just, you know, a punishment for a sport or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I love that, that you do that for the youth too and help kids out with your camp and in and, and the running community. I think that's great. Uh, if there was one message you, you want to share, you know, through your running to your community, what would it be? that you should find something that you want to do and believe that you can do it and then surround yourself with people who also believe you can do it. And that's a really powerful experience. And it doesn't have to be with running. It can be with anything in your life. I think find what you're passionate about, believe in yourself about it and surround yourself with people that also believe in you. Amazing. That's so great, Lucy. Where, where can people like find you, read more about you? Um, maybe you want to mention your website. 
Sure. Um, so I'm on Instagram and it's Lucy at Lucy Shoals, but my, I have a TSP account. I'm probably going to change it to like running account, but, um, it's TSP underscore solo underscore Lucy on Instagram. And it has like recaps of the race. It has like all the content from the race, which is like mostly hilarious. We didn't have a professional photographer or a videographer, but we did, I think have the most fun, um, making the Instagram content. It's very silly. Um, so if you're curious, if you're curious, about what it was like, um, you can find mostly the good. There's some funny videos of me like sighing sadly into my ramen noodles as I'm nauseous that you can also laugh at. Uh, so that's all there. And then, um, and my website is linked on both of those. So you can, you can yeah. find me there. And that content, that content is still going weeks after the event. So <laughs> we might have enough. Well, we might have it. We might have enough until the next one. Yeah, well, don't worry. Um, because I got to ten thousand dollars, my friend Lindsay is getting a tattoo that says "Running is a team sport." So that is happening May 9th. So it'll be on the Instagram. Do not worry. <laughs> oh, we can't wait. <laughs> we'll put a link to all those in the in the show notes. Lucy, thanks so okay. much for coming on today and accepting the invitation. It really means a lot to me that you you wanted to come on the show and. I'm super pumped for you and what's next. And that was an amazing performance by you at TSB and, and your team. Um, congratulations again. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being interested. It was really fun. Would recommend. <laughs> awesome. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Just In Stride podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen. And I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Please take a minute after this to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. With your feedback, we'll be able to make the show even better, and it'll help us reach new listeners too. You can also find us on Instagram at JustInStridePod for all the latest episodes and updates. Of course, this show wouldn't be possible without a solid team behind me, with logo and design by Vanessa Pugliese, as well as audio, music, and editing by Forrest McKay. A huge thank you goes out to both of them. Guest outreach, social media, writing, and advertising are handled by me, your host, Justin Pugliese. Finally, we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for coming along for the ride with Justin Stride.